0: hey everyone this is rabbi brian if these podcasts have been a blessing to you will you please consider being a blessing to the nation of haiti mishkan david supports two works of the lord in haiti first is our orphanage beth Besed, which means house of kindness where 40 children are cared for each day both spiritually and physically and of course there's our own rabbi peter olivera who's setting haiti ablaze by restoring it back to yeshua restoring it back to torah and to the jewish roots of our faith in messiah Listen, to learn more, please visit www.torahforhaiti.org. That's T O R A H, number four, Haiti.org. There you can give a tax deductible financial blessing and sponsor a child for only $20 a month. Hey, thanks for considering, and may Adonai bless you. Enjoy this podcast, which was recorded at our Mishkan David Shabbat service in Rhode Island. Shalom. Here we go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, uh this week's Torah portion is, is is really, from my perspective, a very special Torah portion. You know, some of the Torah can seem a little mundane. You know, you read the book of Numbers, and what do you get? You get a lot of numbers. You get this 100,000 in this tribe, and, you know, 50,000 in this tribe, and you get 20,000 in this tribe, and the tribe of Judah is over here, and the tribe of Issachar is over here, and the tribe of Zebulun is over here, and... Tribe of Manasseh, which is a half tribe of Manasseh because there's a half of Josephus over here. And, you know, and and it's like, why do I care about any of this? You know, but this Torah portion doesn't have any of that. It's got a lot of rich meat and it's got a lot of symbolism that really, really points to Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. Uh, because the whole Torah, all of the law and all of the prophets all point to Yeshua. And in this Torah portion, for me, in particular, it speaks so much of Yeshua. He's in so much of the symbolism, so much of it. Uh, it's an amazing Torah portion in, in the time that we're in, in the cycles, in the portions, because the children of Israel have been in the wilderness already for about 40 years. We're hitting the end of the book of Numbers now, so we're kind of hitting the end of the story. Their wilderness story. Now, about 40 years ago, you know, they got a glimpse of where they're going. Now, the wilderness is 40 years, and I really believe that's very s- similar to the 40 weeks that we all spend in our mother's womb, getting fed without really having to do anything. But something a little premature happened about 40 years ago, where it's almost like they caught a peak outside the womb. Like, imagine like the, like the, the little baby, like, getting a peak out the door, and saying, "Uh, no thank you, I'm okay right where I am, thank you, I'll stay right here, I got this umbilical cord right here, It's I got all I need, man, I don't need to go out there and get that thing snipped, because I hear if I'm a man, we're going to get something else snipped. And I don't need anything snipped, so I'll just stay right here and drink and eat and just kind of lounge around and be cared for. That's sort of what happened with the children of Israel all those years ago when they uh, caught a glimpse with the spies of where they were going to go and they said, thanks, but no thanks. Now, 40 years later... They're ready to go in. That generation is about to pass away, and a new generation is about to go in, and they are about to experience things that they have not experienced before in the wilderness. Because in the wilderness, they were in a place of being fully cared for by the Lord. They had water from rocks. They had bread from heaven. And if you want to fast forward a little bit into the book of Joshua, it even says that once Joshua got into the land, the manna stopped the miracles kind of stopped. And and that's what they were heading into, so no wonder why they just kind of wanted to stay where they were. Because it's a lot easier to kind of stay where you are and get cared for than enter into something brand new that everything is not completely provided for you. Sometimes you got to fight for it. And they were going from a place where everything was given to them to a place where they had to take the land. And now they're going. Now the Lord, in this Torah portion, is giving them lessons on what they're going to get, what they can expect, and things to prepare for. Because going into a new season, going into new things, the Lord taking you out of what you're used to can be scary. Bringing into bringing you into new places, new homes, new experiences, a new journey. The natural tendency is to say, I want to stay right here with the umbilical cord because there's, for, there's comfort in my familiarity and there's fear where I'm not familiar. So I'd rather stay here. But the Lord is a God of movement and He's not a God of stagnancy and He'll bring you into that place. But there's a couple of things that happen which prepare the children of Israel for this. We see in this Torah portion, Aaron dies, Miriam dies, and Moses is told that he's not going in. These are the big three kahunas from the old story, from the wilderness story, from the Exodus story. In one Torah portion, Miriam dies, Aaron dies, Moses is told not to make it he's not making it. in. This is the transition of the children of Israel into the realm of and the world of Joshua whose, whose Hebrew name is Yahushua. It's the same name as Jesus. And we learn from that that we can learn righteousness from Moses. We can learn how to live a good life from Moses, but he ain't taking us into the kingdom. Joshua is taking us into the kingdom. Yahushua, Yeshua, Jesus is taking us into the kingdom. Moses will take us to the edge. But Yeshua brings us in. So in one Torah portion, the three biggies from their last 40 years, two die and one is told he's not going in. This is preparing them for a new season. Pretty scary. Pretty scary. But with new seasons come new revelations, comes a new empowerment, comes a new boldness. Forty years they've been drinking from a rock, and now forty years that Moses had to bam, he had to hit to get Moses to get the water out. I'm glad Chris found that funny. Hits the rock, water comes out, and in, in the New Testament it says that that's actually a, a, a picture of Yeshua himself. And they drank from that water, and that water followed them along all through their journeys. All of a sudden they're like at the end of the end of the road here, and that rock ain't giving water no more. So what does Moses do? He goes back to what he's used to. God said to speak to the rock. So Moses takes his staff and hits the rock again. In the season we're going into, in the season that the Lord was bringing the Israelites to, there was another revelation of speaking to the rock, a greater revelation. Moses is used to see law is very much, I'll hit you and you do it right. It's kind of like spanking your kids but we're getting to a new revelation of speaking life to the rock to hard places and letting fresh water come out from hard rocky places not by batting them but by speaking life and if, if hitting the rock is symbolic of Yeshua on the cross who was hit and was and died for our sins Speaking to the rock is the revelation of Yeshua within us speaking life out into the world. And that was the revelation, that was the next step that they were being brought into. But new steps are scary. There's another um, section in this Torah portion. The same Torah portion is so much in it that also speaks of Yeshua. And it was spoken of uh, in our in our drash today, in our teaching of how uh, Yeshua, as the son of man, was as the serpents in the wilderness, the serpent was lifted up. So the son of man must be lifted up. So in this Torah portion, because of their sin, God had all these fiery serpents go chasing them around. Right. And if you think that snakes are scary, try ones that are on fire. Chasing you—that's a little bit scary. So they were really terrified of this, and people were getting bit, and they were dying from what they were experiencing. And all of a sudden, they go, "Please, Moses, can you take these fiery snakes away?" So something very unusual happened. Um, he didn't just go in the name of Yeshua. I rebuke thee, fiery snake! At this, he did something very unique and something very different. Something that you might even think is against Torah to do, to make graven images. But he made an image of this of this fiery snake. They made a copper servant or a bronze servant, stuck it up on a pole, and they said the children of Israel had to look at it, and if they look at it, they would get healed from the snake bites, and the snakes would go away if they look at it. And in one sense, that is a, a picture of Yeshua who took sin upon himself. He who knew no sin became sin. And we look upon Him and we receive our healing. But there's another aspect of this that I want to talk about. And again, I like to read a little bit between the lines. So the snakes were out there and they were scared of the snakes, the fiery snakes. So Moses made a snake and put it on a pole. And what did they have to look at? The snake. To conquer the snakes. And as the children of Israel are moving into a new place, I believe they had to learn the lesson of conquering fear by looking straight at what is scaring you. They were scared of these fiery snakes. What was the remedy for their fear? Staring at the fiery snake. Looking at this thing... Face to face, and it goes away. And I believe in spirit what is being said here is that when you are afraid, when you have fear, you can run in fear and say, take this away, take this away. But sometimes we just got to look this thing right in the face. That we got to look at what is scaring us and what is making us afraid and look at it. And in looking... At what makes us afraid, we will be healed from our fear. Being healed from fear is a big part of the new phase the children of Israel are going into. How many times did God have to tell Joshua? Be not afraid. Al-Tirah. Do not fear. Don't be dismayed. Va'al-Tachat. So remember those Hebrew words. Al-Tirah, do not fear. For al-Tachat, and do not be dismayed. How many times did he have to tell Joshua that? He wasn't saying to Joshua he won't experience fear. What he's telling Joshua is that when he is called to a mission, he will bring it to completion. God will bring it to completion. And the situations may look very, very scary. War looks very, very scary. But he's telling Joshua, you don't have to fear. This is my battle, not yours. So you can go to the enemy, look at what is fearing you, look at it right in the eye, because you know that I got you, because if I've called you to this, I will call you to conquer it. If I've called you to the mission, I will conquer it through you. So many times, I mean, we... If we don't look at what is causing us fear and walk to it, we miss our calling. Because God's going to bring us to something scary. Not like Lou is scary, but I'm going to use him for my little example. Lou is probably the least scariest you'd ever meet. But if I'm scared of Lou, but God wants me to go to reconcile or something or to go beyond Lou, I need to face this. And if I decide to back away from Lou, I'm going to miss a whole lot of blessing. Because Lou's a blessing. And if you back away from what you are scared of, because you are scared, you can miss what God is calling because there is incredible blessing on the other side of it. And you have to go through it. What God is saying is even if you have fear, fear doesn't have to have you. And once you go through it, you'll realize it probably wasn't as scary as you were thinking anyway. Because there's real fear and there's perceived fear. Alright, when Sue and I were first dating, one of our first dates was skydiving. Skydiving. where we went to a skydiving location in new jersey and we get on this plane this rickety plane now we had a little bit of instruction you know in the beginning and we you know we were we were told like you know what position to go into when we jumped out of the plane we were asked when you jump out of the plane, would you like to go straight into your skydive position? Or would you like to do a mid-air somersault and then go into the skydive position? Susie goes somersault, and I go straight into the position. I don't need a somersault. Thank you very much. No, I actually chose the somersault also. Now, we're on this plane. It's an amazing revelation if you think about it, because it was a tandem jump. Tandu jump means there's a professional on your back that's strapped to your back You're connected Do you understand the revelation there's a professional strapped to your back? When you go through these things that bring you fear there's a professional That knows how to pull the parachute when needed that knows how to do exactly what needs to do So it looks scary But you're just along for the ride So we're on this plane, this rickety plane, and we were just dating. We weren't even married yet. So I'm trying to be macho, but I couldn't because my face was green, apparently, with fear. And I'm going to Susie, my girlfriend, going, it's going to be okay. It's really going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And she's like, are you okay? She was perfectly fine for some reason. I'll never forget, like, when we finally jumped out of the plane. So Susie went first, and I I remember being on the plane and watching this experience. This is this uh, hot chick I was just dating. We're on this plane, this perfectly fine plane that we're about to jump out of, and, and I see her go to the door and put her, you know, foot on the wing, and off she goes, jumps out. And it was just so surreal. I'm like, what is happening here? I'm like, I hope this is just some bad dream or somebody, like... Like, like, squirted some hallucinogenic into my arm or something, anything, anything but this. I don't, I don't know what's going on. So she goes down and, um, the guy in back of me goes, why don't you look out the plane and see what's going on with Sue, with Susie? I said, okay. So we go to the door and I look out the door. Susie is falling. I see her falling. She is mid-somersault. She is face-up, like this. And then, poof, she falls into a cloud. And I couldn't see her anymore. And then the guy said, your turn, pal. Oh, my gosh. So he told me what to do. Yeshua, the guy that's strapped to your back when you don't know it, just says, Put your foot over there. Okay, I'll put my foot over there. Of course, putting your foot out of a plane onto a wing, your foot's like, you know, like that. And he said, Just lean, just lean forward. Just lean forward. Just lean forward. I think that's a word from the Lord when we're afraid. Just lean forward. I think that's a word from the Lord when we're in situations that scare us, that we don't want to go through because we're scared. Just lean forward. Just lean forward. He's on your back. He's got you through this. If he called you to it, he'll get you through it. Oh, there you go. You see, when you're a preacher, you're supposed to rhyme. If he called you to it, he'll get you through it. So off I go out of the plane, so as a macho man that I was, I did what any macho man would do at that time, now that I'm out of the plane. I shut my eyes. And I realized I was in the middle of the somersault, and I was very thankful I had my eyes shut, because I had no interest in seeing anything. But then I was out of the somersault, and I was in free fall position. And I opened my eyes, and here's what you need to know. Every thought that I had of fear, every thought that I had of this is going to be a terrible experience, every thought that I had that it's going to be like, like, like how you feel in your stomach when you're on like a roller coaster ride, every thought that I had that I'm going to be vomiting from 20,000 feet onto some poor soul or bird, Any thought that I had that this was a terrible idea was gone. And all of a sudden when you're in it, you realize, this is not so bad. This is not so bad. I could do this. I feel like I'm laying on a big fan. But I could do this. I don't have a feeling in my stomach. The pit, that feeling in my stomach that I get on roller coasters is not here. I don't even see anything coming towards me because I'm so high in the air. I could do this. But what am I going to do about this parachute thing? When do I pull it? That ground's got to be coming towards me. And all of a sudden, the guy in back of me goes, Pull now. I said, okay, so I pulled, and I had fear. Anybody see skydiving on a TV, where like somebody's taking a, vi- a film, apparently, of a person who's skydiving, and the way they pull the chute, it's like whoosh, jerks you up. Well, that's something else I was afraid of. Guess what? That's not what happens. It only looks that way because the guy with the camera is still falling. All that happens is you start to slow down. That's all that happens. There's no jerk. I'm a jerk, but there's no jerk. There's no jerk. You slowly start to slow down. And then all of a sudden you get into sit sit position. I'm like, I could do this. I could do this. Now this one is crazy over here because I all of a sudden looked into the horizon and I saw Susie and, and her 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 uh, she was going like this in her parachute. Round and around in circles. I go, what's happening to Sue? And he said, Oh, that's she's intentionally doing that. All you need to do is pull one side and you'll do that. You want to do it? I said, No 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 no, no, no. Oh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. So then the next part of my fear was coming up. Landing. Because when I was on the ground, I heard about the other people who were on the non tandem jumps, who land with a, you know, fairly decent speed, who had to learn how to roll, you know, and land a certain way. So I'm up there and I'm going, Legs, it was really nice knowing you. Thank you, Legs, for all that you brought me to. I really enjoyed walking. It was fun. Thank you, Feet. Thank you for all the shoes that you had on you. Thank you for my socks that you've had on you. Thank you legs for my pants. But I will never be seeing you again, because you are going to break once I land." All of a sudden, we're getting towards the ground on this parachute. And the one in back of me said, pull both. I said, "Okay." So I pulled both. And all of a sudden I'm coming down and the parachute went like this. And I actually gained a little bit of elevation. And he said, lift up your legs. So I lifted up my legs and we landed. Not even a knee buckle. Standing. Every bit of my fear was perceived. And not real. And I had to go through the experience to realize that fear is a liar. That fear is a liar. And the only way to realize that and to be healed of that is to go through it. The only way to be healed of the snake bites is to look right at the snake. I mean, how many perceived fears do we have? How many perceived fears do we have? You know, to give myself a little credit, jumping out of a plane is a natural fear. That's a fear that God gave me. And if I had to jump out of the plane tomorrow, I'd probably be just as scared. And that's okay. There's fear that is real, and there's fear that is perceived because it, it's, it's something that happened to us maybe in the past, maybe it was even a past generation, that we have been programmed to fear. Just like the children of Israel in the wilderness were being taken to a new place, I believe we are all being taken to a new place where the things that we fear need to be conquered. And we need to go through it because it is perceived and not real. Jacob was called to go back home. Oh my gosh, he spent all these years with his nutty family, his crazy uncle, and his wives and kids and concubines and all this stuff. And it was time to go finally, to go from where he was to where he's going to, which it says is the house of his father. And right in between where he was and where he's going to is a little place called Mount Seir, which is where Esau, his enemy brother, was dwelling. So in order for him to get from there to here, he had to go through the territory of his enemy and deal with it. And deal with the one that he was afraid of and we know he was afraid you go first 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 first. but once he got there and he had reconciliation with his brother all the things that he feared about his brother was perceived it wasn't real in the name of Yeshua today I release you from perceived fears Fears that are lies. Fears that are caused from our experiences. They're experiential, but they are lies. They are not true. Go through them. There is blessing on the other side of it. God knows what you're good at. He knows what you're not good at. He knows what you're good at because He gave it to you. He knows what you're not good at because He didn't give it to you. But if He put it before you... There's a guy that's attached to your back that will get you through it. That will tell you just what to do, just how to do it, just when to pull the cords, just when to lift your legs. I charge you in the name of Yeshua, fear is a liar. Don't listen to it. Don't miss out on the blessing and the experience that's beyond the place of fear by backing away from it. What are some of our fears? What are perceived fears? Fear of intimacy. It's a lie. Fear of man. Fear of people. Fear of rejection. It's a lie. It's a lie. Some of you may not know this, but um, I've, been, I've dealt my whole life with a little thing, um, a little social phobia. Anybody ever have a conversation with somebody? There's nothing to talk about, and it's like all quiet, and it's like awkward silence. How many people like awkward silence? Oh, a couple of people like awkward silence. Oh, I okay. saw <laughs> Peter Wiggins loves it. Well, with awkward silence, sometimes with me, I become like almost like paralyzed in fear. And when I became a rabbi, that was one of the things that the Lord had to deal with me, deal with me on, because I knew that being a rabbi was, there was, there was a lot of social interaction when it comes to being a rabbi, and I had to deal with interacting with people that I would normally want to shy away from because I have this, this fear of social things, and there is an amazing blessing, the greatest blessing for me for being a rabbi is to be able to spend time with you, and to talk to you. But I had to go through a fear to get to that place. And just like certain things, like I said last week, certain things he'll heal you of immediately. Some things he'll heal you of over time. But it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Last week we spoke about repenting and and repenting to others and confessing your sins. You know what? There could be a a, a fear of confessing. Because you're concerned about what other people are going to think of you after you confess. That is a lie. Speak. Speak. To the rock. The rock to speak to is fear, and I tell you to speak to it. There is a generation that is going to speak to the rock, and you are that generation. Listen, Moses was told to speak to the rock, but he didn't speak to the rock. He went back to what he was used to. Which means that a command came forth from heaven to speak to the rock, and nobody yet has spoken to the rock. You are the generation that will speak to the rock. You are the generation that will speak to hard places and water will come out of. So speak to that rock. Speak to the things that are holding you back. Speak to those things that are that are that are that you're afraid of. And say, No, my faith is greater than my fear. My faith is is greater than my fear. God said to Joshua in Joshua 1, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now go take the land. Where you put your foot, you will take authority over. You will have authority over everywhere your foot steps. So thank you, Adonai. Thank you, Adonai, that you have our back. Thank you, Yeshua, that you have our back. And we don't have to listen to the lie of being afraid. God is bringing us to a new place. He's bringing you to a new place. He's bringing you to a new place. But there is fear when it comes to new places. I tell you right now, face it. It's a lie. It's a lie. Face it and walk through it and receive the blessing that the Lord has for you on the other side of it. That is the lesson today that we learn from how they had to look at the snake on the pole, which is the exact same thing that they were afraid of. And by looking at it face to face, they were conquering their fear. In the name of Yeshua, go through it. Go through it and Deal with it. It's worth it. It's worth it. In Yeshua's name, Amen.